0: Hi, I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. And we're your hosts of Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. We explore and process our experiences with sex, dating, survival, self-worth, and everything in between. We also invite guests to talk about their own experiences, too. Some recent ones include Michelle Zahner of Japanese Breakfast, Ki Kwan... Bo and yang and the list goes on and on feeling asian has had a pretty exciting year so far after being named a top podcast of 2021 by cnn and being featured on apple and spotify's homepages. we hope the podcast is creating a compassionate space for asians asian americans and asians in america to be themselves without feeling as if their time is a fleeting moment tune into feeling asian every wednesday for new episodes
1: What's up, y'all? I'm Amanda Seals, and listen, I get it. We're in some serious times, so I think some of y'all forgot I'm a comic. She had them jokes. I mean, you forgot I had a whole HBO comedy special. Ivy! Ivy. You forgot I showed love to how black women give compliments. Okay, polka dots! <laughs> and some shade to how white women move in corporate America. Stop CCing all these unnecessary people on these guys I get it. We've been cooped up for a long time. That's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again Comedy Tour is coming to a city near you. Go to AmandaSeals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together.
0: How black am I gonna have to get? Star a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.
1: She's the May Queen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh yeah <laughs> she's the may queen he's the fool uh you're listening to
1: yeah yeah all right do it all right she's the may queen oh you want me to do the whole thing
0: <laughs> i don't know when i was like hey, do it do it and you're like me <laughs> or this pizzaiolo <laughs> this sassy pizzaiolo because uh. he's, he's got the same look on his face like who me <laughs> you're coming at me with this weak sauce
1: <laughs> no you're listening to mormon and the meth head
0: if you put a mormon and a meth head together this is what they sound like aaron Woodall all just a listen to them talking to mike My thing with the Mandela effect is like maybe maybe you're just wrong, right? Like why does that not occur to anyone? That's my first thought. If I if 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 you present me like with Berenstein Bears, I think I said Berenstein, and, and then when I found out it was Berenstein, I was like, oh, I was wrong.
1: It was the other way around.
0: I was wrong. No, I thought it was. Oh, is it? It was. Steen, we I we thought it was Steen, but it was actually Stain. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that is fucked up stain's not a name
1: <laughs> i can't believe you just watched the movie you watched and the first thing you want to say to me right now is maybe i'm just wrong
0: well that's my that's my character flaw i guess but still like with the it's named at the thing that it's named after is, is is nelson mandela uh who i and i maybe i'm skeptical of the whole thing of this whole effect because i was never wrong about mandela like uh like i knew that mandela was alive until he died and then i was like oh yeah no no like i i I was surprised that other people were surprised and that they immediately jumped to maybe there's a new a different dimension a different timeline, we jumped, and in the timeline that I'm from, uh, he did die in prison. And I'm like, maybe you're all vaguely racist Americans who don't know anything about uh, ap- like that. That's my first thought. That's my first thought. Uh, but no one, everyone's like, no, it's a timeline it was- thing. I'm like, I you didn't just didn't, you one. just don't know anything There's about so world politics. Admit it. There's so many uh, uh, uh South African civil rights yes. leaders that became president okay
1: there's so many mandela effects and now they're happening there's new ones daily and i don't know if you saw the video that i shared of the guy where food names are changing on what paperwork yeah you didn't see that it was a, it was a guy for a food ordering company or something like a software company who was constantly getting these messages from people where the names of Bru- like brussels sprouts and a certain kind of lima bean or avocado and people were like this was h-a-a-s and it's h-a-s-s and he's explaining like it was that and now these things are all changing
0: i'm sorry the name of brussels sprouts is h-a-a no what? that was
1: ha- haas avocados okay is and i don't know any of these ones but okay
0: these sound like this sounds like an ikea furniture though
1: yeah haas avocados i think is are now what People know it as H-A-A-S, and it's actually H-A-S-S or something. I'm butchering this, I'm sure, because I don't know these ones. But Brussels sprouts are actually Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Um, or the other way around. I don't fucking know. Anyway, it's a food thing. <laughs> it's a bunch of food ones. And it's fucking up people's orders in this software company because the timelines are changing so fast. I, you didn't, Of course, you didn't watch this video that I sent you. It's you like... Did I send it? I, uh, maybe I maybe shared it. Maybe it was in a group. different
0: timeline that you sent it <laughs> to me, you know? I shared See, it See, I group. feel like I could do it too. I can do it. Yeah.
1: I definitely think maybe I'm wrong. Like, I weigh that as a possibility, but I am real skeptical about telling millions of people they remembered something wrong. That feels like an experiment in gaslighting to me. <laughs>
0: Y'all were just wrong about Mandela. He was alive.
1: I never thought that about Mandela. Uh-huh. That's the thing, though, is you have like a split society that, that remembers them. it. They're I'm talking about the effect. Uh-huh. The thing, like, I don't like something that tells me that my memories aren't true. Like, I can, I can look at that, but when you're telling millions I, of people that I they s- remember something I wrong, that,
0: I see that all the time. Just speaking of movie, um, I read movie reviews. All the time, and someone will describe something in the movie, and I'm like, "That actually didn't happen," or they're 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 switching something up. But that's just. uh, But I do that too. Like I'll say something about a movie, and then go back and watch it a second time, and be like, "Oh, that's weird." Uh, I when I came out of the movie theater, I had it. I had it like uh, twisted that memory in my mind, and I thought, but like I was combining two things, or like I or I projected something onto a character, and then. Uh, said I love the line that he said when he never actually said that. For Midsummer specifically, the the reviewer was talking about how on the couch behind uh, Christian there's a painting of a bear, and that's not true. the The painting of the bear is above the bed that Danny is sleeping in, which is is a scene not not uh. Uh, it's like the very next scene after the opening credits. But the the scene where Christian's on the couch holding her, there's a different painting to the side of them, which also seemed uh, like it has some significance to it, uh, because of, of you get, to get a better look at the painting later. But, like, I could see, like, a person just transposed some memories, like, as they're writing there. They only watched it one time, and they write it, you know? But now, uh, you know, if you keep telling that story... If you keep telling people about the bear painting that's behind Christian and then you go back and you watch it and you're like, oh, I fixed that memory in my head. They've done so many studies about like witnesses and murder trials and and stuff.
1: I I can generate a memory just wondering if something happened. So there is that. Yeah. But mm -hmm. there is also a huge possibility that we are multidimensional beings and we are tuning into the fact that there are different like we are hopping dimensions we are hopping timelines so Mm. i just think it's a weird thing to throw out and not explore
0: let's uh let's talk about gaslighting and uh let's and trusting your memories or intuition We'll talk about Midsummer a little bit, guys. Have you seen Midsummer yet? <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, we're gonna try not to spoil anything when we talk about it. But I feel like fuck. our whole formula
1: is: Have you seen this show? Have you read this self-help book? Like I just, <laughs>
0: and that's that's what I want our sponsors to be. You know, like yeah. uh, I would like Jackson McKenzie to give me some money because I'm about to plug the fuck out of his book for the next, uh, I don't know, two months. So you guys remember in this uh, in Not Bad. I talk about uh, I saw a, I saw a page of a book on someone's Instagram that then triggered all these these thoughts and then I googled it and that book was called Psychopath free but I didn't start reading that book. my local library had his sequel whole again and I got that and I fig- and like psychopath free is like seemed to be about the psychopath. You know, about this bad person. Holigan was like focusing on you. What the, That's my style. Like, right. let's, let's recover you after a toxic relationship. Let's work on you. And I thought this will probably be the best, better thing to read anyway. And I read it, and it was fine. But then I got psychopath free, and fuck, it changed my whole life. It changed my whole life, and you guys... If you are feeling bad about a relationship, like not just you know, not just a breakup, but like if you're if you're wondering, if like listening to these episodes have got you wondering, you should check out Jackson McKenzie's Psychopath Free. He also has a website, a forum, a group for people who uh, are like survivors of these kinds of relationships. And it's called psychopathfree.com. And uh, there's threads, discussion threads, you talk about stuff, there's personality tests. Guess you haven't gotten to this part of the book yet, but he goes into Myers Briggs stuff and and talks about that for a second. Anyway, it sounds like does a cool he talk resource.
1: about certain profiles fit this, or does he talk about getting dumped he because said, somebody took one? He said,
0: um, <laughs> uh, he said that uh, like on the website, which I still haven't been to, you can take a, the test, and that there's a whole thread about how like each of these sixteen types and how they. Uh, re- like what their strengths and weaknesses are and how they can be, I don't know, how they relate to to uh, a narcissistic relationship. But in the book itself, he only uses himself as an example and talks about these traits of, I think he's uh, an INFP and he talks about the, the traits of INFP and then how that played into uh, his relationship and the aftermath of it. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. I, I, anyway, so I recommend that everybody... Get this. I'm listening to it on an audiobook is what I did. I had some driving to do, so I got, I downloaded it and poof, It was like my life. It was and and then there's part, like he spends a good deal of the book also talking about how you feel reading the book and he, and he's just like everyone went through this. Everyone read this and was like, "Oh shit, that's my life." Like oh shit, how did I not know? Like and uh, that's why he has the support community because everybody has these really similar stories and it's and it's helpful to hear that. But I felt like Lauren Hill, you know, like uh, this guy uh, is singing my life with his words right now. These are the last three shit.
1: <laughs> Do my underwear were so far up my ass? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, I needed to stand up to get them out. And anyway.
0: oh my god. <laughs> How many podcasts do you spill something? I like a lot. I like a lot. Do you remember when we were at uh, at Keith Mean Boys' house? house? Keith Carey's house? I
1: spilled a venti iced coffee on all of their merch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why you're still allowed to have anything <laughs> at the table. Um Anyway, then I told uh uh Jessa to, to read the book so she could like understand uh what like you know understand me. The last three years of my life, or four years of my life, I guess, it just all laid out in this book, step by step by step, and it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Want to know how to keep your skin looking smooth and wrinkle-free? Join over 3 million people worldwide and try Dermawand Pro. 97% of users saw dramatic improvement with this anti-aging device. A gentle microcurrent stimulates the skin's layers, providing vital nutrients and enriched oxygen. Clinically proven to reduce the appearance of fine lines, wrinkles, and improve skin texture in minutes a day. Stop wasting time with expensive products. Go to Dermawand.com now and use promo code SKIN20 for 20% off free gifts and shipping. Dermawand.com promo code SKIN20.
1: So at the very beginning of the book, it talks about the labels and how the labels aren't important. And uh, it's like, if you feel this way, he lists a, a bunch of symptoms of someone who has been abused by a psychopath, who has been through these phases. He's like, if you are feeling any of these things, it doesn't really matter the label on this person. So... I think at the the disclaimer of this podcast is
0: like you, if you feel hesitant to call your ex a psychopath, like join the club. I uh, uh, like I don't want to you know uh, at all. But like uh, he said, if y- if you feel like this destroyed after a relationship, if you feel the same way that a victim of a psychopath feels, does it matter if they were actually a psychopath? Like this is your step to healing this is about you and not about them and I agree and like I think he talks he seems he says that he did all this research into psychopathy which I have not done but so I don't know what the difference is between a psychopath and a sociopath and a narcissist and a toxic person but he kind of uses the word psychopath as like a catch-all it seems right and I think that we're gonna throw out that term a lot but like uh, this doesn't necessarily have to mean like a dexter like, like you know serial killer or something psychopath uh you'll see the the qualities if you pick up the book like that he starts off in chapter two or something 30 uh traits 30 red flags of one of these kinds of people but i think that the labels are not important that it's the traits it's the behaviors in holigan he goes through multiple like cluster b personality disorders and gives traits of all these people like borderline people bipolar people narcissists uh uh what's the other one something like cluster b something uh anyway there's other there's other things and i read through all of them and i would be noticing like in I don't think I have borderline or whatever it was or bipolar, but I would see a toxic trait that I recognized in myself that when they were describing like people like this do this, I would go, I do that. Same. I should not do that. Right. Right. When we read psychopath free, uh, both Jessa and I have recognized behaviors listed like that they describe the in the psychopath. Right. Where I was like, oh, I did that to Jessa.
1: And I did that to Aaron.
0: And, uh, I want to not do that. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think that it, I think that nothing is more psychopathic than, uh, not recognizing those behaviors or like not wanting to change them, you know, or just being like, of you reckon if you read that in a book and you were just like, oh yeah, well I'm not a psychopath. I'd be like, I don't know.
1: (laughs) A lot of the stuff in the codependency that I've been working through, I'm trying to be as honest with myself as possible. And when I'm really like super honest with myself, I'm like, this is insane. Like I'm insane. There's something wrong with me. And and some of it lines up with, I don't know why I thought I was borderline for a day, but I messaged Kristen and was like, am I borderline? And she was like, if you were, you wouldn't ask this. But I feel like I know self-aware borderlines.
0: But well, I, Yeah, because I feel like people know that like, they're diagnosed with borderline uh, and like I know people like I have a borderline. So but he says that it's very common for survivors uh, to wonder if they are the psychopath. And he says that's normal because like a, a common characteristic in survivors is that they are open to new ideas. They are susceptible to persuasion they, that they entertain these things that they're introspective. So like, uh, that's just natural, but also a trait of the psychopath is that they project their terrible toxic qualities onto you and tell you how you are the problem, you know? And, uh, so it's your, he says most people as they go through this process are going to wonder if they are the problem. And, uh, that's, that's just normal. That's just normal. So uh, you guys will probably feel the same way or you have already felt the same way. And uh, we're here to just uh, say it's, it's totally fine. It's okay. It's all right. He gives a list of, of 30 red flags, right? And I, uh, I know we'll probably go into some of them as we talk about them. But uh, then there are stages of a relationship with a psychopath. And phase one is idealization or love bombing. Then there is uh, devaluation. Then there is discard, and there's like they repeat. They kind of go in a cycle. There's other little uh, facets of it, but those are the three main phases. And Jessa talked about the discard. Like you had said a lot of the words to me that were in this book. Yeah, uh, you know, and you are the uh, the vampire slayer. Uh, that uh, so like you and you, I thought uh, no, (laughs) you had done all this research before, and you were just right, like things like you said, you got discarded. You you told me that, I was like, huh. But when I read Psychopath Free, and they went into detail about what the discard was, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did get discarded for sure. It's
1: weird when it's your experience; it's so hard to see it as. I feel like you're looking for nuance and you're looking for your condition to making excuses for this person. And so when everyone else heard the story of someone swiping Tinder in front of your face, you were just like on some other, like, this is what breakups look mm-hmm. like. Or, you know, you were so like focused on what you did to like make her do that or whatever. But everyone else is like, Whoa, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, he says Jackson uh, Mackenzie. Me and him are on a first name basis almost. Uh, but uh, he says that we. This is like everyone who goes through this journey is losing their innocence and naivete a little bit. Like we were, uh, we were all like pretty broken by this experience, and that it's not a terrible thing. We're going to be much smarter for it. But part of our innocence was that we would project good things onto everyone. We assumed every we assumed the best in everyone. And so when somebody does something inexplicable, you try to explain that behavior and you explain it the only way you know how, which is like by giving them the benefit of the doubt. Right. You don't automatically assume that this person is a monster who is tr- purposely trying to hurt you. You're like i oh, probably forgot or they didn't mean it like that, or you know, they had some issues with a with an ex in their past, and they're really they're still recovering from that, and so they were triggered. There's all there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So the first step when you meet uh, someone like this is this idealization phase, uh, or love bombing phase, and uh, love bombing is like they just. They just shower you, shower you with the nicest stuff. You're convinced that you've just met your soulmate. They'll even tell you that your soulmates, like they want you to believe that.
1: They it's have the ability early on to figure out what you are passionate about, what you really like, and they're also i forget harvesting mirroring no they're 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 picking up on clues of what you're insecure about what you like what you don't like and then they just like really quickly feed them back to you as their own thing their own thing i
0: went on i i was involved a little bit with uh somebody i dated her for uh, a little bit we met on tinder and our first date was magical magical but really all she was doing was letting me talk asking me questions and then whatever i said she would say oh my god me too oh my god me too oh my god me too and then a little bit f- further down the road found out oh she was lying like she was yeah. she was just agreeing with anything because she needed to mirror me he says that psychopaths like don't have an identity they don't know and they're trying they're always mirroring someone else's and they will just they're like chameleons they'll change completely change their personality by the people that they are with you know and then they they can discard all these people in their lives and move on to other people and then change and then mirror them and change into them you know and uh it's just that's a little scary yeah Idealization, all specifically, is like they're giving you compliments. They're, they're pretending they're compliments, but they aren't really. They're They're giving you orders.
1: They're programming you. So they will tell you, oh, my ex used to call me so much. I love that you don't call me as much. Or, oh, my ex used to complain about me not having a job. I love that you're so cool about it. And, Oh, my ex used to be jealous and I hate... Jealousy. I'm so glad you're cooler than that. And it's all these little hints that now you're like, oh, here's my lane. I'll stay in this lane. Right.
0: And so you have that programmed in from the beginning and expectation. And so uh, you like getting the compliments from them. You like this soulmate feeling. You like feeling in love. So you're making mental notes like, oh, okay, I am not going to call them all the time because I don't want to be like their ex. And uh, one of the red flags is that they will talk to you about how crazy their exes are. All of their exes are bipolar. All of their exes are crazy. All of their exes are still in love with them. They're so jealous, and uh, they what they do is is triangulate. They are constantly pitting people in their lives against each other, and they want other people to be to feel like enemies, so they can play off that jealousy, that tension that you guys create. And uh, they do that with lots of people in their lives, not just not just their their partner. Right. Uh, And then once you are together, once they've established, they compliment you so much so that you will compliment them because they have no self-worth of their own. It all comes from external validation. They have to be praised at all times by all people. They need that. And so... They compliment you, shower you with so many nice words so that you will learn the pattern so that you because you're a nice person and you're like, wow, like they'll talk about how like they can't believe that they have you like, oh, my God, I feel embarrassed because like you're so much hotter than me or you're so you're so much smarter, all this stuff like I'm so lucky to have you and you'll be like, oh, I don't want you to feel Like that, you are beautiful, you're hot, you're so smart, and you start returning all this praise back to them, and once you do that, once you've learned, they will stop complimenting you, they will stop being nice to you, they will stop idealizing you, and that's when uh, uh, the devaluation happens, they make you feel bad. They make you they, they take away that magical feeling and then you're chasing it forever and you're trying to do more for them so that you can you can make them happy so that you can have that feeling back. But they're purposely keeping that feeling away from you.
1: My sister's narcissistic boyfriend, uh, just textbook narcissist comes in sweeps her off her feet is everything she's ever wanted like just in they work together so it took him like a week to figure out all the things that she felt like she didn't get in her marriage and then he just mirrored all that stuff back to her but a big thing for her she's a very sexual person and he would just fuck the ever-living shit out of her the whole time they were together and then as soon as he had her and she was like locked in he he was evil he was like evil there was no maybe this person is or isn't he started telling her i'll be over at nine and then showing up hours late waiting till she was crazy by the time he got there so then he could tell her that she was crazy he started holding back sex from her withholding sex to make her feel ugly you and have, undesirable have you gotten
0: to the point in the book where he's talking about sex no because that's also key that like you have the most bomb sex of your life with uh like an energy vampire narcissist because they are mirroring back all your sexual desires they and they want to do everything that you like and blow your mind and then they use sex like then sex becomes weaponized against you because they take it away so that's textbook
1: Wow. wow yeah yeah he was it was and then he would he would dump her all the time He would make her feel crazy, uh, tell her he was on his way and then not answer his phone and then make up these just ridiculous stories about where he was at. And if she stood up for herself, then he would just break up with her and then she would lose her mind. She would just go completely fucking insane and then he would breadcrumb her back and then do the whole cycle again over and over again in, in like short periods of time. Like he had her broken down to a shell of a person in nine months.
0: Yeah. Another red flag is that any fight, like you, if you feel in your relationship that any fight could be your last fight, that's a red flag because in a loving relationship, you fight in order to like work through feelings. It's not a threat. Like, but a, a, a narcissist, uh, does not want you to fight a narcissist does not want you to call them on their shit and they will teach you not to do it by uh abandoning you every time or calling you crazy like when you when you pull out put point out stuff that they are doing that's harmful that's toxic that's mean that hurt your feelings they'll call you crazy they'll call you needy they'll call you jealous or they'll just threaten to leave which is something we saw a lot in midsummer like that uh then they'll play on your fear of abandonment so that then you will chase after them so that you will say sorry so
1: yeah he just stood there silent until she cycled through all this stuff herself she was like no i just wanted you know you're lying to me, and then she's like, "I mean, I just wanted clarity. I mean, and he's just silent, just like body face away from her." Uh
0: huh. And sorry,
1: I'm crazy. I'm being crazy again.
0: By the end. Uh huh. And it's like, oh, is it was it was so weird to watch that. I've, I've watched it twice now. I watched it once before reading Psychopath Free, and once after, and it was crazy. The first time I watched it, uh. I mean I loved it. I was like this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. It's really good. And it's so it's so fucking good. You guys have to see it. Afterwards I went home and I read up on the movie. one of my favorite things to do, I read all these interviews at the director Ariaster Ariaster Ari Oster Ari Aster, Ari Aster, I'm fucking not, whatever his name is, dude. He he said he went through a bad breakup and that he wanted to make a movie that felt the way a a breakup felt and you know, he did it in this kind of in like a horror genre. And I was like, "Whoa, that's so cool. And I, afterwards I was thinking more about how it was like, Oh, that's really what this was about. It's just like a breakup, huh? I caught, I mean like I noticed how manipulative there, there was a lot of manipulation in the movie. Yeah. And I, I, I talked about all that, but like when I watched it that first time, I was identifying more with the manipulator we had broken up i was feeling really low about myself and i was like look i was looking at this guy and thinking of all the ways that i am manipulative and that i am toxic and stuff and then we had a fan uh uh, messaged me a fan messaged me and was like uh after hearing not bad And then having seen Midsummer, they were like, oh, my God, I finally saw Midsummer, And it's just like what you guys are talking about. I can't wait for you guys to talk about on the podcast, which, hey, we're doing right (laughs) now. Um, I can't wait for you to talk about on the podcast because it's all the stuff that you're talking about right now. And I went, oh, how did I not? Huh? Like when I you know when i when i came on this this uh this revelation uh of of like of uh, narcissism i was like oh, why didn't i ever connect that back to midsummer this will be really fun to go watch a second time and that like midsummer's already left theaters and it was back this weekend for the director's cut which is crazy right and uh and i had like looked up to see if it was going to be playing in Las Vegas, and I couldn't find any show times for the director's cut, but then, sure enough, like, here, there's a, Jessa, do you want to go? She said, yeah, let's go. And seeing it a second time, after having listened to that book, holy fucking shit. Holy shit. I couldn't believe that I didn't connect uh, that that character, like anything in the movie, with my uh, awful toxic relationship i never did i was i was you know thinking maybe i'm a psychopath that's right. the first time i watched it. i was like am i a psychopath maybe i should not be and then the the next time i, watched it, I was like i am the victim here yeah. you know and there was they added the director's cut had like another 20 30 minutes of footage in it and discard insane yeah and so i was like oh shit ari you didn't just have a bad breakup you broke up a a psychopath discarded you i bet that's what happened and uh holy shit to then to take that pain and turn it into art that's as good as that wow that's my fucking dream. I hope all of you go see Midsummer. Just even if you don't have any uh energy vampires or anything in your life, it's just it's fantastic. Technically, yeah, technically really really good. Really good. Anyway, what's well uh in in the devaluation, they use triangulation a lot. I think they use triangulation throughout. But uh they that's when they're they're using other people Uh, against you they will uh, wave someone else in front of you to make you jealous so that you will confront them about it yep so that you will say hey uh, i'm feeling a certain way so and then they say you're needy you're just like my ex why are you being so jealous why are you crazy nothing's happening and jackson mckenzie says a lot like hey that feeling is a manufactured emotion That person was trying to make you feel that way. They want you to feel jealous so that then they can make you feel crazy. It's not your own emotion. All these emotions that you thought were yours were manufactured entirely by them. And that's a crazy paradigm shift. Yeah. I thought I was needy. I thought I was sensitive. I thought that I was angry. I thought that I... Uh, you know fucked up relationships and hurt people and all this stuff and uh it's 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 like not true it's just not uh i when we talked about fights and so when we were like talking a lot about attachment styles yeah i would talk about how tabitha and i went to this therapist and we got attachment styles and and i was like yeah okay this makes sense that uh because I and I felt I took the blame. I felt bad. I was like, okay, I um I'm so need I I need so much reassurance. I need so much reassurance that I couldn't let fights go and they would go on forever and like she just needed space and stuff. But uh really like I was supposed to be feeling that way. I was supposed to be feeling that way so that then she could demand space and make me feel abandoned. Yeah and that's what i mean that's one of the many paradigm shifts the that i've felt through that
1: yeah because a lot of the stuff that you described is like petty you insisting on like i had a feeling is what you used to say about yourself it must have been hard for her because i was like i had a feeling we need to talk about this but it was like she triggered those feelings and yeah. then a lot of the fights that you wouldn't let go were like she lied, and you would just be like, "You you lied," and then she's like, "I need space," and like that's insane.
0: Uh huh. Or word salad. There's a whole chapter on word salad. One of
1: my favorite phenomenon in uh-huh. the uh, phenomena. Fuck. Why are words so hard now?
0: Who, who knows.
1: <laughs> Speaking of word salad. <laughs>
0: Did you like it used to be phenomenon and then they changed (laughs) it when the timeline switched. Um, But they they just spout nonsense and talk around in circles if you are catching them. He said that like the 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 narcissist wears wears a mask because they don't have a real identity. And if you ever catch a crack in the mask, they can't handle that. They actually get really upset about that and uh, uh if you're like hey if you point, bring up something that they can't explain they just talk in circles they talk in circles until uh you you have you've have no idea what the fuck is happening and then you give up and then you apologize which uh was a fun thing that we saw in midsummer over and over again but I used to think of like our long, drawn-out fights. Like I would say a problem that we had was like we never have any small fights. Like Every small fight becomes a giant fight, and it just goes on forever. And uh, I took the blame for that. I felt like I am petty. Like I can't let things go. But uh, I probably had really simple, salient points that uh, just right. were just being talked around and talked around. Um, I have thought, especially with that other girl. Uh, that we mentioned, I thought about like how, uh, terrible I must be. I mean, like it, obviously in some ways I'm a, I was a, I was an easy target like, and a, a, cause I'm believing and I'm trusting and stuff and whatever. But in other ways, I think I must've been a nightmare to, uh, for a narcissist to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too good of a detective. I'm too good. I'm too good at just being like, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, But logically, but like, what? What are you saying right now? That doesn't match up with what you said. Like, and I I remember, like, going back, like.
1: I'm just remembering how hard she would flail in the inbox, that she would accidentally like all
0: her own shit. Oh, that crazy girl? (laughs) She would, yeah, she would flail hard. (laughs) I also think she was alcoholic. I think she'd be drunk in the middle of the night, uh, like uh, laugh reacting, uh, like messages from days ago. That I was like, she's clearly just scrolling up in the conversation, working at it, and uh, leaving behind all these footprints. Yeah. uh, she would wear a
1: salad, sh- so which it was hard to tell, you know, narcissist or alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: a fun game to play.
1: I definitely told the story, but my favorite, my favorite story of my sister's boyfriends' manipulation, because it was so ridiculous, was the my cousin My, died my cousin when died,
0: died when I went to him. prison for him. And I feel like if I hadn't go, if I hadn't gone taken the rap for him, he would still be alive. So that's it's very it triggering for guns. me to do nice things. You just yeah. watched an episode of Sons of Anarchy yep. and then was like, "I was running guns with my cousin."
1: Uh, God, Did he, he ever go to so prison? Nuts.
0: Could you confirm? He, we that?
1: like went and I like paid money to look his record <laughs> up and stuff. Like I hated this dude so much, and I found his like he had a DUI once. But at the beginning, he was the same guy that said, you know, that bragged about his wife making sandwiches. He was a hardcore Christian when, before my sister got like, there. Like and how then, good they
0: were, like how good the sandwiches were or just yeah, that she made that,
1: them? Yeah, and that is nauseating to me now. But one of my favorite Jason stories was he said, I need a woman that can, is actually a partner on something with her own minds. I can make my own fucking sandwich. And that used to be a favorite Jason story of mine. And now I'm like... Uh, I can make my own fucking sandwich, and she can do literally everything else. <laughs> I need she a bitch does have can to feed do... it to me, <laughs>
0: and she has to move my mandible so that I can <laughs> swallow it. But I'll I'll make, like...
1: <laughs> I need a bitch who can do literally everything else for me. I'll uh, have her order me a sandwich. <laughs>
0: <sighs> uh, but, but, yeah, this this girl was, like, word salad all the time, especially when she was trying to mirror something that she didn't know actually anything about, yeah. and, like, uh, you or I would press her on it and be like, but... Like, what exactly? And she was trying to, like, she was trying to, I felt like, mirror your voices in your head thing. And she was like, yeah, I have this outer, upper, uh, downer, arounder, uh, (laughs) arounder. And we're like, what the fuck are you talking about? She also would try to, she was, like, for good examples of triangulation, she was threatened by you. This is before you and I uh, even have a podcast. We had met at Big Sky. Uh, and, uh, you liked me and she knew it and she wanted to tear you down. Yeah. So she was like, Oh, cause I would talk, I talked, the thing was I was talking about you to everyone. So yeah. I was telling, I would tell this girl about, uh, how cool Jessa is and then she would be like, Oh yeah, I'm like that too. And I'd be like, really? Because yesterday you weren't anything like that. And she's like, oh, well, it's a it's a part of me that I am kind of shy about. I don't tell everyone about this, but, uh, you know, I think I, I sound so much like Jessa. I should be friends with her. Can I friend her? And then she immediately starts messaging you, having conversations with you, and doing well, the she, same. No,
1: first she told you that she had a dream about me that included a shirt that only only you would know about like yeah. you, you and I talked on polo all day and I had, I was working at Longwood gardens and I was wearing the longwood gardens, green shirt. Do you remember? And she was like, Oh, yeah, I had a of course I remember. This is green... the
0: weirdest thing. Jackson McKenzie says that like you have intuition and that if part of this recovery journey is going to be restoring your intuition and trusting it, because if you've been involved with a psychopath, they've told you not to believe it. But like, this was one of those examples where I was like, this feel... Like, immediately, I didn't trust it. But what re... Like, the the explanation that I had was insane. Like, she said she had this dream. And she was like, I had this dream. And there was this blonde woman wearing a long-sleeved green shirt. And, and like, then describes other things. And, like it's fishy as fuck i don't i don't like my intuition is just going to saying this is a lie but how if in order for this to be a lie this means she grabbed my phone looked like looked opened up marco polo and looked she at, probably at was it.
1: there at some point while we were marco i thought i've
0: thought about that too that's a more that's an easier explanation but i no now learn like just read some stories about what other people have dealt with, with with psychopaths and and vampires and stuff and it's not that crazy it's not that crazy also considering like what she did at my birthday and all this yeah. kind of cr- other st- stunts that she pulled uh you know i should have just i you know trust my intuition granted i did really trust my intuition with with this girl she didn't stick around for I that long yeah
1: cuz i remember I thought that you thought the dream was real, and I, at this point, thought you still liked her, like, that you were still believing her, and as soon as I talked to her, I was like, oh, this chick's fucking awful and a gigantic liar, and I can't say anything because I'm obviously jealous.
0: Right, and that's also why I wasn't, like, telling you everything that I, all of my, uh, like, or not insecurities, all of my doubts about her, because... Like you, uh, I felt both of you in the ether, like both of you were like, like, uh, uh, maneuvering for a position and, uh, it like just made me uncomfortable. So I was just, i was like, I was going to figure it out on my own, but there were many signs where I was like, I don't, what's this girl's deal. But like, then when she friended you. And sent you uh, messages, she would tell you about how I felt. She would tell you like the things that I said to her, and she was like embellishing and stuff, and like just saying things that purposely hurt you. Yeah. And then she would talk to me about the conversations that she had with you. And I like I could feel her, like I said, maneuvering and like right. trying and stuff. Then we had a group chat, the three of us, we're all gonna be friends now. And she said one thing where she said to you, she said, "We speaking for me." Here's
1: the thing about us, Jessa.
0: And I and I and I replied, "How about you just speak for yourself?" And boy, did she uh, flail. <laughs> she spun like, "Oh, uh, 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 you know." Yeah. And uh, this is like what a psychopath wants to. Uh, Isolate you from people, and they just yep. they play games, and not just with their partners, but with everyone. They need to be loved by everyone all the time. They they live off praise. They also need to feel like they are like they need to brag about how loved they are. So they're always talking to other people about how uh everyone's in love with them, or every you know all this stuff, and they'll talk to to people. Those Do you, are you remember bad you
1: telling me that you guys were playing the jealousy game? Do you remember that aspect of the...
0: Of of this girl? Mm-hmm. What did I call the jealousy game?
1: You are like, we're playing the jealousy game and it actually really hurts. And I don't remember the details of it. I think you guys were just telling each other about other people. Oh, uh, that, that were we were banging? Banging, yeah.
0: Hmm. I don't remember that, but... I was thinking it lasted very long. Yeah. I, uh, I won the jealousy game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just like, you can't really. I, I'm not that impressed with this high school. teacher. <laughs> 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 she talked all the time about her old uh, high school teacher that now she's like having an affair with. And at first it started out. That's pretty hot. Yeah. It's like, what? Like you, like when you were in high school, he was your teacher and now you're banging him like. Okay, and then I was just like, "Oh, this guy sounds sad. This is yeah. <laughs> so fucking sad. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god." But uh, yeah, that's probably enough of devaluation and stuff. When they're done, and he says that like psychopaths get bored, they get bored, and they they're like constant like they're constantly bored because they don't have a self. So they need external stimulation, external validation, and they'll get bored and they need to move on to the next thing. Uh, they will discard you. And they will do, like you said, in not bad, it's designed to be traumatic. Yeah. It's designed to make you feel. It's not, he says, this is not a breakup. You don't feel depressed. He's like, this is worse than depression. Your life is over. Feels over. Ari Aster said apocalyptic like yeah. that the, just feels that's like the, the end. result
1: of the identity erosion
0: mm-hmm. That's remember how much this whole podcast was like i've talked about how i don't know who i am anymore right. and i and i some of that was mormonism sure because that was a big part of my identity but but literally my identity had been eroded in this divorce that was that's part of it that's part of it He says you have to destroy yourself afterwards as part of your recovery, the destruction of self because your perception of self is so fucked up after one of these relationships that you have to, it's, it's painful, but you just, you come out of the other side way better, way stronger, but it's, that's a necessary step because your whole perception, your whole identity uh, is, has been totally fucked. But he said that like there's, uh they plan the breakup weeks, sometimes months in advance and they plan for it. They want to take you out of your uh regular environs. They want to uh have you isolated. They want to make it public. They want to make it messy, but they act calm. Like oddly calm. And Fuck. all of these boxes are getting I'm like, check, 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 check. It's you know, shit, shit. <sighs> they they said they'll like they'll be on to another person. like you will be m- uh, just incredulous at how they move on so fast, which I was, yeah, I was like I, and he said that's not normal. It's really not really not but like they'll they'll be using social media against you they'll be posting pictures immediately of their new uh boyfriend or girlfriend so that you can see it so that not just you everyone can see it and everyone will be praising them they'll be happy for them that now they found happiness now that they've finally broken up with their crazy ex you Like they, they will convince everyone that you are crazy because they did all these things that were designed to get a crazy reaction out of you so that then they have text messages that they can show and say, look how crazy he was. Look at it, you know? And then people will be so happy that you've got a new boyfriend now and that, that he's so much better, you know? And, uh, yeah, people, people get fucked up. He says, he says, you know, it's going to take you twelve to twenty-four months to get over a discard. I am working on four years, and still, I wonder
1: if it's extended when you don't know that it was a discard.
0: Sure, I think you have you have to uh, learn, you know, become aware of this stuff. I also think it's worse the longer your relationship is. He's most like these like uh, textbook psychopaths that he is talking about don't have long relationships like Tabitha and I had like the, that's one of these, there's a lot, there's so many boxes that Tabitha does not check, you know? And that's again, like why I'm not, I don't want to throw a label around, but like the boxes that do check, you know, I'm going to, I feel validated and saying, okay, that was, that was not nice. That wasn't nice. You yeah. Know? But like, uh, I think in any relationship, you take, you spend longer getting over the breakup, the longer the relationship was, you know, I ever heard like someone said that you, for as many, uh, as many months as you were together, that's how many weeks it's going to take you or how many weeks you were together is how many months it's going to take you to get over it. Something like that. Andre, I remember Andre's telling me this and me doing the math immediately and being like, okay, that's like, Four 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 and a half years I think and then I talked to a friend about her divorce and she was like it took me five years to get over my divorce so I've always had in my mind like in five years maybe I'll be better right so uh, all the, a lot of these survivors I think they just like he talks about how terrible these few months are and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough few years bro it's been terrible but like after the discard, they're not done with you, man. They're not. They'll come back and use you. They use you to bait their new targets, you know, like they will garner sympathy. For talking like with you, with you like how crazy you my ex is, and their new target will be like, Oh, and then they'll fix it and they'll they'll be idealizing their new target and telling them all the things they hate about their crazy ex and their new targets learning. Okay, I don't need I won't do that. But then when they're done with that, when they're bored with the new one, they will bring you back. And flaunt you in their fa- in their in their current partner's face. How familiar? To make, yeah, to make them jealous, you know. And then also, like, they're just if they discard you properly, and you don't get over them, they can come back and feed these this energy vampires. They can just feed off you whenever, man. They can just fuck with you all the time. They can play nice. He says he calls it a mean sweet cycle. They'll be sweet and then get you to open up and then be mean. Oh, he talks about the cycle. Yeah, which is exactly how I describe I was like I hate I I was like I I described how I was like trying to not text Tabitha at all anything because I felt like every any time I was just polite that I was opening myself up for attack and that it hurt more later, and I'm putting this into words, you know, right. and then I'm reading him describe that, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what happens. Like, just by her like speaking politely to me, I return it, just the same way that I did compliments, you know, yeah. Uh, and then uh suddenly, out of nowhere, she's mean again, and I'm like, what? Uh, 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 uh. And now I look like a dumbass because I'm just like. uh bending over backwards, do something nice for, you know, I'm like, I, you know, I want us to have a good relationship. So I'll, uh, yeah, I can do, you know, I'll be, I can have some good, I can forgive, I can forgive. And then suddenly mean again and I'm crying again. And one of these red flags is like, if you, if seeing this person makes you anxious, if ge- if hearing about this person makes you anxious, that that's a, a sign that you were in a toxic relationship, man. And that's fucking true. Texts, emails, phone calls, seeing her in person, hearing someone else talk, knowing, oh. The anxiety that I get just like to know that like other people like of my friends were like, oh, just anxious, anxious, anxious. I was always so worried that she was telling everyone terrible things about me. And then I listened to this book and they're like, and then they'll be telling terrible things about you to everyone. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. It's terrible.
1: Luckily, most you have amazing friends and they have discernment.
0: Uh, yeah, but not everyone, man, dude. I w- one of my roommates, my first roommate. Uh, I saw like way after the fact, um, that when I was doing so- some social media stalking, probably with Danny. Danny, <laughs> Danny uh, is a, a great friend, but will always let me indulge in this She. <laughs> All the time, she'll be like, you want to look at Tabitha's Instagram? And I'm like, okay. And I saw this roommate had went and gotten lunch with Tabitha. And I was like, you were there when I was destroyed.
1: I'm sure Tabitha I was there, you were there
0: when I, yeah, of course. And then she, like, because the caption was like, oh, I was so glad to catch up with an old friend today. And then, like, the timeline is about, like, when, uh, it doesn't matter. But, like, I was just like, Oh. What do you think the odds are they talked about me <laughs> in this lunch, you know? Yeah. Uh and I just felt betrayed by this roommate. I was like, how could you do that to me? And there I I felt uh betrayed by people like of, of, like mutual friends, you know? And he he, he says you got to yeah, social media is, you know, bad. He talks about, he talks about the only, I guess next we get into recovery, right? There's the recovery, uh steps, the biggest step is no contact, absolutely zero contact. Right. T- yeah, no contact, absolutely not. They're like, if you do have kids with that person, I guess that kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even so, he's like, social media stalking counts as contact, you can't, you have to block them entirely you cannot look at anything they want you to look at this stuff in the beginning when before we were blocked from each other i remember uh i could see how many people were like mutual friends (laughs) like i like she had unfriended me but not blocked me so I go to her profile and see like just like, you know, basic profile stuff. And it'll tell you how many mutual friends you had. Right. It'll show me her most recent profile picture, which is just a hot picture of her. She's single now. Now suddenly she's got all these, she's doing all these cute photos and stuff. And I'm seeing who's liking them and who's commenting them. And I had a great night of just unfriending every single person. Every <laughs> every, every single one of my friends that liked my ex's profile pictures like you're fucking booted out of my life get the fuck out
1: was it a lot
0: yeah yeah i mean like a ton of them were like people i needed to root out like friends of hers you know that we had become yeah right you know like yeah you you become friends with your partner's friends or her relatives of course i'm going to unfriend those but they were friends of mine they were my friends too so like in that night, I think I unfriended like a hundred something people. Oh
1: my god! But
0: uh, they were like friends of mine. I remember one comedian in particular, TJ Wery. Go fuck yourself, you fucking prick, fucking asshole! And he had he had liked ev he had liked ev- every six of her profile, like all six of her new profile pictures that she had posted, and like she's just tearing through them, you know? Yeah. And he had like heart reacted, liked all of them, and then I was like, you know what? No one likes you. I defend... I stand... I like talk... I'm like, "Ah, you know, I like him. All these other comics talk shit about you. And I'm like, I like him. You know, I don't think he's that bad. And then I was like, you know what? You are that bad, you dumbass fuck. And I unfriended him. It felt very, very good. Uh, (laughs) Never heard of him. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. Uh, But... (sighs) <sighs> anyway recovery no contact and then you have to destroy your idea of self you have to he says don't get into another relationship at all oops yeah so like a lot the, the reason i wanted you to listen to the book was because like i you could, i was like she's going to be able to tell why all these things were hard for me why one something that you had a problem with was like me being suspicious of you a lot of like, or i just always expect like suspecting you had bad intentions. Yeah. And you're like, why can't you ever just give me the benefit of the doubt? It's because I gave the benefit of the doubt to someone for years and it turned out poorly. And so now I've got defenses engaged. And, uh, he said, when, after you learn about psychopathy and you learn these things, you are going to be paranoid for a long time. And I was, I was on edge before I ever knew about this stuff. Yeah. Learning about it, though, in the recent month or so, God damn, have I been paranoid. I see I see evil intentions in every person that talks to me. I'm like, what do you want? What's your fucking angle? I don't trust anybody. like Anybody that wants to say nice things to me, I don't like it. But I think even before I knew it consciously, subconsciously, you would compliment me and I would feel like she's trying to tr- – like everything felt like a trap. Everything felt like a trick. And uh, that's apparently totally normal and natural after a toxic relationship, that you will feel like that.
1: I do remember something about when we would fight. That makes a lot of sense now. Um, Is that I was never... Like, you would get mad in the fight and then you would say stuff about me like judging you for being mad or being um like you get me emotional and then you and I'm like I I've never cared I'm not afraid of you you're not you're you're by far not the scariest I've ever dealt with and I'm like I'm fine with you being mad I don't care you get very ashamed of the fact that you got mad and it would be totally logical to be mad in that fight and
0: um and thinking about how I had been conditioned and trained to, to react that way, to feel that way. I was talking to you, I think in Boise or something maybe before, where I thought um, you would get mad at me for stuff that you really should have been mad at Jason for. Yeah, where well, I was like, I'm not doing this that you say I'm doing, but like your ex did this criticism and you're is not- a
1: huge one. I felt so criticized right. by you, and I look back and I'm like, oh my god, that was something that was happening to me for a very long time. I like I was controlled by his criticism, and it not until very recently that his criticism became obvious, and I felt criticized by you, and I I don't think I was. Criticized by you. But very similar in that I would.
0: Yeah. You project y- that on you. Yeah, onto you project it onto me. Yeah. And, uh, and then I read psych- uh, this psychopath book. And suddenly I was like, oh. Oh, I was doing that too. I was accusing you of all this stuff that I never accused Tabitha of. But like that's real i feel like subconsciously like that's like all the stuff that i like uh, accused you of like it feels like you're trying to goat me into being angry yeah. or it feels like you're trying to manipulate me it feels like you're trying to trick me trap me whatever it was it was i was just projecting it onto you man and so that's why he says it's impor- an important part of the recovery process is like you need to be alone you got to be alone and you got to build yourself back up the book ended up being pretty validating. Like it's scary in parts and I do still feel paranoid, but they do a really good job of validating you and telling you like, you're not bad. You're not bad, which is the title of the last episode. You know, I, and they say all these things that you have been told are weaknesses by a toxic person are actually strengths that they envy that they wish that they had, and that's why they're breaking you down, you know, and that's why they're doing it, like, that you, and you're going to be stronger because of this, you are, this is never going to happen to you again, and you will, like, right now, I feel like, oh, I'm never going to love again, and uh, he says, you will, you absolutely will, it's going to take a while, you know, but you're going to get there. You're going to be, you're going to be your same compassionate self. He talked. he talks, summing up my feelings so well, but like, I feel like the person I was is gone. Like I used to be someone like, and I'm so different now. Like, and I've told you, I've said yeah. this on the podcast many times about different aspects. I'm like, I used to believe I used to be optimistic. I used to be trusting. I used to believe in love and I i am not that person anymore. And he's like, that's actually impossible for you to not be that person anymore that's your nature that is who you are you uh have been fucked up and you're gonna fix yourself and uh and you're gonna be the same you're the exact same person you know and uh i look forward to that i don't know how long that'll take but i certainly look forward to it
1: I feel like this is a lot of big steps in the right direction. Have you considered burning her in a farm? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having to take it out. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, I do. If we could do like a post, like just a quick spoilery, like here's spoiler alert, and then talk about Midsummer for a few minutes, but let's yeah. just wrap it. Okay. Let's just wrap it. So tell me, I'm making big steps, and I think you're to, making big steps. No, hold on, wait, now go.
1: I think you're making big steps. Just reading the book and finding out what this stuff is, I feel like, is a huge game changer. It's just a paradigm shift right now, you know, but it's it's put so many things in context. I think it's difficult to heal when you are trying to heal from the wrong narrative. True. How you're supposed to heal those wounds when you are believing that you're defective and that, you know... You thought that she was calm because you were crazy. You know, you didn't see it like uh, there's a psychopath sitting next to me. You were just like, she's calm and I'm insane. And you can't heal that because it's not true. Hmm. So I think you're killing it.
0: Thank you. Uh, and you guys are killing it too. You're doing well. And thank you so much for the nice messages that I got. Um, is there, It was tough to start talking about. I think it's easier now, but... um. I appreciate, I appreciate you guys and uh, the journey that we're all on together. Uh, we've got a lot of, uh, we're talking a lot more about Psychopath Free on Patreon, and uh, right now we're about to eat some motherfucking mushrooms and record a Sunday school for Patreon. So, uh, you know, check it out, patreon.com slash Mormon the method get yourself some bonus episodes and, and whatnot. Hopefully coming to a town near you soon. We have got stuff where that we're in the works for Bakersfield, California, Montana, Colorado, uh, Arizona, all stuff coming up that we're not quite uh you know there yet. But stay tuned and uh tune in next week.
1: Mormon and the method. <laughs> if you put a
0: Mormon and a method together this is what they sound like Aaron and all and just a read our fans listen to them talking to Mike. Woman and woman and a podcast a podcast network Okay, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! I want you to see Midsummer. Midsummer is amazing. I want you to see it, and I if and, and so, don't listen to this if you haven't seen it. Come back and listen to it. Uh, but like, we just we just got out of the director's cut of Midsummer. My second time, your first time. First time. And holy shit! So good. It's so good, but like just about uh, psychopaths. You know, this is again just for people who who've watched Midsummer. Okay, that whole movie is about psychopath. That dude's a psychopath, right? And it was so interesting is that on my first viewing and on Jess's first viewing, we both were going kind of easy on the guy. We both saw I a felt lot of redeemable. Like, oh, I
1: just want him to be. I have this preconceived notion of a psychopath having zero emotions and showing zero affection, and so it was so weird. As he would walk up and grab her hand and do something sweet that perceived sweet, and I would forget every scene where he was a shitbag before that. Because after the movie, we're talking about it, I had like blocked out multiple scenes. I knew he was a piece of shit, and then he would do something that that mirror. I guess mimicked human emotion and i would be like oh he's having human emotion but it's actually fake as fuck
0: yeah well i in the jackson mckenzie says that what we do is we we project our good conscious onto psychopaths we assume that there is goodness behind them and i think that that is what uh, i did like there's i think there's nuance in this performance which is what makes it cool he's like that that's that's what like you do see in the beginning at least, and the e- by the end, you're like, for sure, this dude's a bad dude. But in the beginning, there is, there does seem to be a lot of evidence that he's, uh, like, yeah, he's, he's not perfect. He's not a perfect boyfriend, but he seems like conflicted. Is the word you, you said? Yeah, seems like he's trying, and so you know he's not bad after all. But like this time, the second time I watched it, I was, after having read that book, I was just projecting the worst possible uh motivations onto him and i saw him as pure evil this time wow. uh, there's real is a fun difference between the two the two viewings but like in that one point jessa leaned over to me and she's like he doesn't seem like that bad of a boyfriend does he get worse and uh but by that point he'd already done several very manipulative things that you didn't catch until we were talking about it yeah. afterwards and what a great statement that is About, uh, about us, us, as I was going to say about us,
1: you had said something recently about if someone just agrees to be there, then I will be like, oh, okay, I'm safe. We're good. Um, and there was something about every time he walked up and showed her affection that my, they would just click a switch in my head and I would be like, oh, he wants, he loves her. He wants to be around her because in my head, you know, he's there. So he must love her object permanent shit. Um, But it was really weird after the movie when we talked and I was like, oh, those were things that when I saw those scenes, when I saw the first scene, it's so weird to me that he wasn't permanently locked in as manipulative. But then when he went, when they're in the scene where he gaslights her into thinking like lies and then changes the story three times, Mm -hmm. and then gaslights her into thinking that he was you know
0: yeah this is after the party where she finds out that he's going to sweden right and he's like oh that's the first thing he's like i told you that i wanted to go and she's like you said it would be fun to go like hypothetically you never told me that there was a plan that you guys were talking about it or that you actually were going she confronts she says you already have a ticket and yeah, because de- he he's like, I s-
1: decided today. And she's like, yeah. you already have a ticket. And then he's like, I'll just go.
0: I'll just go. He gets her to beg him to stay.
1: Calls herself crazy. Mm-hmm. And then says, oh, such a piece of shit. He's like, he's
0: like, you know, I was going to invite you. I wanted it to be romantic. I was going to surprise you, but you've ruined the surprise. And she's like, you don't want me to go. I just freaked out. And he's like, yeah, well, you ruined the surprise, but... Uh, I want you to come, you know, and she's just in his hands like a puppet. You know, he's pulling these strings and there's evidence after evidence of all of this kind of stuff. You watch him triangulate. You watch him uh, fuck around with his friends and her like and pit them against each other. Like the the mushrooms thing is my favorite example. So slick. So slick. She doesn't want to do it. And he knows that, like, he has to, like, that, like, a good boyfriend would not do it. He doesn't. He's not a good boyfriend though, and he doesn't want to be exposed as the fraud. That That's he the is. thing that
1: kept fucking getting me is that, like, he, I kept waiting for him to do overtly bad things, and it's so interesting given mm-hmm. the context that I was like, mm-hmm. I fell for a lot of it.
0: Yeah. Uh. So I, I think I want to like write a letter to Ari Aster. Uh, and talk to him about it i think it's so like so fucking cool that at the end of the movie again please spoiler alert go away if you haven't seen it but like to set your psychopathic ex on fire to discard them you know yeah and then she has that smart her her face turns into a grin at the end as he's on fire and it's like <laughs> what a how how satisfying that must have felt for Ari to take that X of his and turn it into into that oh what a powerful way to get your power back dude I love it but the second time around I paid more attention to how the villagers are also psychopaths the fan that told us the that, that messaged me and said wanted you to talk about it uh she. She had a much more positive interpretation, and that was like, "Oh, Danny like got rid of the psychopath and is now in a in a family that cares about her feelings." And I disagree. I so disagree. They're psychopaths, man. Yeah, they are doing the exact same. I don't like the the mimicking of emotion. That's like mirroring. The the that guy Pele doesn't love her. He's in the idealization phase. They've all lied to them. They lied to like they lied to them all the time. When they kill their friends and then the next day put them on the defensive about like where are your friends and where's our Bible? Yeah, that's psychopathic behavior. They've isolated them. Like literally, you're isolated out in the...
1: triggered them, and then acted like their reaction to watching people's face smash open on a rock is crazy
0: yeah and then this this fake apology of like oh i'm sorry i didn't explain it to you better that's not true you manufactured that emotion in them you wanted them to feel this way you knew if you explained it to them they wouldn't come you had to trick them into being here and now you're just feigning surprise like oh what oh this is our uh lady was
1: like you didn't tell them
0: yeah you and it's just uh it's it's bullshit you know and uh
1: I didn't explain it good enough. Oh, it sounds like an apology, but it's actually an implication that they weren't smart enough to understand what he was saying.
0: Right, and it's just not you're. Well, you're not taking full responsibility for that's. It's an. It's a. It's a. It's a, a an apology can't be a lie. Oh, this
1: is like the. I, I didn't communicate it well.
0: Exactly, it's just like that girl. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't communicate that well enough. No, you lied, you lied. Right, uh, like the thing with the, with the trip where he's just like, oh, sorry, you know, like he's just not. He won't say. Sorry for it. Yeah. And she's like, and she calls him on that. She's like, you didn't apologize. You said sorry, which uh, sounds like, how, how did she phrase it?
1: Oh, yeah. She phrased it really was well. like, which sounds
0: more like you're, uh, I can't remember now. Damn it. Damn it. But uh Yeah. It's good. And if you guys haven't seen the director's cut, I don't think you have another chance. I think it was just this weekend that it was in theaters. That's not
1: what'll be out on DVD. or whatever. I mean, it
0: will. I think it'll eventually be out uh, on Blu-ray and stuff. The, that's when you can see it. But I have no idea when that will be. But there's there's several cool things that were cut out. A lot of cool things. But the there's one. There's a whole other ceremony that got cut out. And after that ceremony, they have this fight where she says, she says to him, she's like, do you love me? And do you still love me? And he's like, what does that have to do with anything? She's like, the devia- we've been in the devaluation phase for a while, and the discard is coming. And he's like, "Oh God, okay, psychology major, good. Oh, I guess you've diagnosed me." And he just goes on the defensive, and like then, and then he that th- that scene is, is just so good. He's just like uh, complaining about something nice that she did for him, and he's what a psychopath does is project all their toxic qualities onto you, and that's what he starts doing in that scene. And just accusing her of doing all the things that he's been doing to her for years. She's been in a relationship for him for like four years, they said. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't catch that he had missed their anniversary. That that's why. The, the, yeah, I would have never caught that if you didn't point that he's out. Like, it's all, he's like three and a half years. And she goes four years and two weeks. And he's like, oh, really? And there's tension. And I was like, why are they tense about that? The couples. You know, that's he forgot, and there's like, oh no, he forgot the anniversary. Yeah. The Anna, their anniversary was when he was at the party talking about Sweden in front of her. Yeah. And I would have uh, never
1: picked that up if you did.
0: She's trained not to bring up stuff like this. Yeah. Not to, she doesn't want him to know that it's her birthday that he forgot because it will turn into a fight. And she knows that. And like Pele, also a psychopath. Uh, triangulates and, like, goes and tells him so that they can, so that he can, like, prove how bad uh, Christian is. Yeah. But, like, you can see how reluctant she is to accept comfort or love or to, like, make her uh, pain anyone's problem because that boyfriend has trained her, like, the... Opening conversations with her friend on the phone Is like I lean on him all the time And he never leans on me for anything Like he's so tired of me What if I'm scaring him off Because I'm so needy
1: Yep, It's
0: a psychopath babe Vampire man but I love how he's also like how his friend Josh calls him out. And that's a, another thing in the in the director's cut, they have that scene where Christian tells Josh about that he's going to do the midsummer thesis as well. There's a couple more lines that get added into the director's cut that really nail home what uh what a psychotic piece of shit Christian is. And like how he doesn't have He's like why are you, he says to him why are you in grad school? Like, why are you like, this is something I love. And for you, it's just like a passing hobby that you're sipping your toe into. And Jackson McKenzie says psychopaths don't have an identity. They're just taking it from other people, which is what he's doing to his friend Josh. Anyway, let's eat some mushrooms. So good. Uh, which another really cool part of Midsummer, right? Yeah. <laughs> their, de- their, their visual depiction of mushrooms, so, so cool. So
1: fucking good. The pulsing flower and the way the mountains were. I wouldn't have noticed the mountains if you didn't point them out. Through. I didn't notice so them subtle. my first
0: time. Danny brought it up, so that's why, that's why I told you to look at it. There's like the food is warpy. There's so many cool uh, mushroom things that I really, really liked. Anyway, one day I'll make a movie podcast. But it is not to this day.